seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 215 of Color of Magic, your magic gaming podcast where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Daquan Watson, and for 215 episodes, still got my main man way down in Texas, Brian Allen. How's it going, dude? Uh, Going well, getting ready to go into a food coma, (laughs) as I'm sure everybody is. Yeah, if y'all don't know, if y'all aren't in the United States, it's Thanksgiving time this weekend, and uh, that's an excuse to uh, be gluttonous, I guess is the best way to put it. You know, you get to stuff your face with all types of food your family makes, your favorite stuff. Uh, we're going to sit around, watch football, play some games, you know, just uh, have a family event for a day or two. But we're going to talk about that a little bit more later in the show. So if you're curious about some of our stuff at Thanksgiving, we'll definitely be talking about that. But... Before we get things rolling, we got to tell you about our sponsor, CoolStuffInc.com. If you haven't checked them out, you probably should, because they support us, and you can get a discount. You can save 5% over there if you use code DRAGON, and or Power Dragon, I should say. And honestly, really, really good stuff, because they have stuff on sale right now, which is great. You should go check them out. They're good people. They support a lot of creators, honestly, which is awesome. So go over there, use code DRAGON, you'll be helping us out, and you'll save some money while you're going to do some shopping this weekend anyway. And if you want to support us directly, you can go over to patreon.com slash colorofmagic, and you can get a shout-out just like HM Rue. Thank you so much for being a patron. And you can always go to colorofmtg.com slash shop and pick up a couple of goodies for yourself. But that brings us to the soapbox. And I kind of want to use this opportunity to kind of talk about what I was just saying as far as supporting sponsors, right? And not just for our show. Like, if there are any creators out there that you sponsor, that you follow, right? They have likely have some type of sponsors. And right now, just about everybody has some type of sale during Black Friday. Like, it's hard to find people that don't have something on sale or already just have really affordable things. You should support the stores or the businesses that support your favorite creators because they're giving you a lot of content and a lot of cases for free or very cheap. And that costs them to operate those. And if you want their channel to grow and to get more cool stuff and have more guests and do more giveaways and all that wonderful stuff, you need to support them. So whether that's go out and you join somebody's Patreon, maybe you go buy some cards, like in our case from Cool Stuff Inc. since they're sponsors, like go hit that stuff up. Or, at the very least, go hit up some local stores, right? If you're going to be doing that, then there's comic book stores and card stores. And if you're into, I don't know, quilting or whatever, I'm sure there's a local spot there that does it, right? You don't have to just go to the big box stores. Because here's the difference. You go spend $20, $100, whatever, this weekend at one of those big box stores, they're not going to care about you the minute you walk out the door, right? What you're spending is going to be one one thousandth of a percent of what they're going to make that day. But if you go to a local store, you're like 20 bucks, 100 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever. It means a lot more to them, significantly more. So definitely hit them up. Like your money spends much better there and goes to a cause that you can see the people, you know, that you're supporting. You can see the employees that you're helping. 
And that money is likely to also stay within your community, which is also very good. So yeah, hit up local stores, hit up if you're, and especially like, let's say you're looking for cards. It's like, great. You can go to cool stuff, right? They're a sponsor. If maybe you're looking to buy clothes or something, heck, I've got a thing on my YouTube right now. If you want to get some sweet shirts that are up to 80% off over at, uh, into the AM, right? You can hit that up, right? There's options out there and people have sponsors for all kinds of things. So I'm just saying, if you're going to be spending money anyway, because a lot of people are, because sales weekend, people go spending on Black Friday weekend and small business Saturday, you know, all that's become a whole event. Start with the local stores, support those that are supporting you and the content that you enjoy. Your money's just going to go further that way and it's going to be more meaningful. All right. That, that's my my rant. <laughs> I'm going to pass this over to you, dude. All right. Uh, November 28th, coming up, Dead by Daylight is going to introduce uh, Chucky, the main killer from Child's Play. And I think he has his own TV show. Now it's become a huge, a huge cash cow for, for the Chucky creators. And I'm thinking... With everything that's been added to Dead by Daylight at this point, it may be the best licensed game ever. I mean, you, at this point, we've got a shared universe with almost every horror creature you can think of, ranging from the alien, is it Chucky, Freddy Krueger, uh, Ghostface, Michael Myers? They are at this point all in here in a, again, in kind of shared universe with a halfway decent story that's tying the entire thing together. Game's been, it basically has come to define its genre. It wasn't the first, you know, uh, I guess asymmetrical horror game, but it's really been by far the most successful and the most profitable one. And really the kind of the only one that's really taken off and been, been able to sustain a project for at this point, I I forget, I want to say six or seven years has been going now. And to, to even have made enough money to get the likes of Chucky and Freddie and so on is just, phenomenal and you know they, they kind of said they knew they had something when they were starting to test the game and they said people would just come in you know people just it, it was something designed for the era of you know twitch and stream because it is just fun to watch and it, everybody has watched a horror movie i'm sure and been like why'd they run that way or why'd they open that door why why, why did they call us coming for and this is this is that you get to be the survivor in the horror movie or if you want to be Michael Myers, you get to try to be Michael Myers and figure out how to run around the house and stab everybody to death. That's the thing you were thing you've decided you would like to do. Yeah, I, I think the crazy thing is just that like, didn't Chucky come out in like what 88 or something? Like something like that, a long time ago. And it's just now getting a resurgence over the last like three, four years. Like, and that USA show. They're in like what feels like season three or something. Like it has a real been, fan base. Yeah, it's. Been, I mean, Chucky is super popular. Has been for a long time now. That that's so surprising. Like, because if you'd have told me, like, listed twenty popular movies or franchises from that era, which ones would still be around in twenty twenty? Definitely wouldn't have picked Chucky. Horror <laughs> franchises never end, and you know, apparently. And really, other than superheroes, that that is the best way to make money at the movies is to make a horror movie. Yeah, I mean they're cost effective, that's for sure. Yeah, and again, they get think what what horror movie came out in that era that has gone Friday the Thirteenth still makes money. Freddy, all the ones that were ever really popular are pretty much still really popular. I guess they finally gave up on Leprechaun, but that took a while. 
No, I think he's <laughs> got. A, I think he's got a reboot coming. Because Leprechaun was around for a while. Because they though they did finally decide like Leprechaun in space. I think it was a little too much. <laughs> like, but it it got like five movies or something. And that's yeah. Jason went to space too. I just think of everybody it was, it was just a thing you apparently had to do sometime in the I guess mid nineties to take your franchise. Into I think Leprechaun always kind of embraced his low budget. B movie, it's 3 a.m. and there's nothing else on, kind of. Hey, sometimes you're just looking for something to watch, right? <laughs> like it doesn't doesn't really matter. You just need something on to uh kind of get you going a little bit. And then of course it became a whole meme when he went to the hood and and then it was poorly edited and would have the yeah. Leprechaun run around going, What's up, my ninjas? You know, it just became even more popular than the original movie because of all the edits. Yeah, that was pretty rough. That was pretty rough. But again, they spend no money on these movies, so they're designed to be, you know, B movies. Well, yeah, I mean, the Sci-Fi Channel's made a whole genre out of that. Yeah. Now the new one, I assume they may actually attempt to spend some money on it. So I don't know. It looked like it had decent actors and stuff in it, so it's very possible. I think I think Jennifer Aniston got her start in a Leprechaun, if I remember correctly. Would not surprise me. I think that was her first movie. Well, and then, of course, uh, Warwick Davis has been you know, in like Willow, uh, Ray. He's well, yeah, been he'd, he'd been shit. around for a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he's been doing stuff. But yeah, let's talk about some other f- interesting things here because this is a weird week in kind of what we're going to talk about here and what did we learn. So I'll let you start. All right. Uh, ESPN's own Stephen A. Smith, you know, always argue with people people always try to catch him off guard and uh the other day a guy just thought he really had, was gonna throw up a curveball to you in ranking the goat i think he went on to name tom brady michael jordan a couple legitimate people you would talk about when you're discussing who are the, who are the goats among athletes is guy hauls off where do you rank lightning mcqueen if you don't know and i wouldn't surprise me if you didn't lightning mcqueen is the main character in the pixar car series he's an, a, a talking race car if you will and Stephen a smith didn't miss a beat you know he, he did the new i don't believe light mcqueen's won seven piston cups but apparently somebody that, that raced 40 years ago has also won. Stephen a smith knew exactly how many championships lightning mcqueen had won and was ready to argue the point you couldn't the, the guy thought he's catching him off guard but no I guess they're they're kids in Stephen A. Smith's family, or he or he just happened to watch a car. It is after all, he is a Disney employee as part of ESPN, so maybe he just <laughs> I'm telling you, mate, like you if you're gonna try to catch somebody, you gotta go for a character that's in like a cult classic that some people may not have seen or whatever. Like you you can't go for the Disney Pixar stuff. It's too I mean, big. It's, it's, it's <laughs> gotta be, you know, it's it's gotta be big enough that they would actually at least get the reference, maybe. Well, you need it to be big enough that People who are on your side trying to get the person get the reference, but the person themselves may not get the reference, right? Like, because that's how you get them in the trap. So you can get them to be like, well, I don't know that person or what they do or whatever. Like, I, because like, I think off the air, we were talking about it. I don't have kids, but if you threw out something about Dora the Explorer or whatever, like, I know what it is and like some of the silly songs or whatever, because I've been around other people that got kids. Yeah. It's too popular. There, there's <laughs> like, no end, but would you know, did you know how many Piston Cups Lightning McQueen and one? I've seen that movie. I have kids. I've seen that movie 50 times. I couldn't have told you exactly how many championships he's won. 
I don't think I could have told you exactly, but I knew the backstory. Yeah. On like the other person also winning a, or the other car winning a lot and whatever. Yeah. So I mean, so, like, Stephen A. Smith was ready to argue with Cars Universe stats. There's no but, way old boy was ready. But I will for say that. this though: as soon as the dude had mentioned like with seven piston cups, they're like, "Oh yeah, now he jogged my memory, and I remembered." You know. So yeah, that's a tough one. But hey, credit to Stephen A. Smith for at least going along with the bit. Because he could have just been like, dude, really? You're going to call in with that trash? Like, he at least went along with it, and it was entertaining. Exactly. So, good on him. Like, you got you got to know when to go for it. So, yeah, I'm, I was going to bring up, and I'm going to try to talk about this judiciously, but there are several companies and, I guess, businesses, I would just say in general, that are moving away from Twitter for advertising. And I will say, yes, some of these are companies you know. Some are some that we are close to. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, Part of it is just right now it's not very well regulated or moderated. So there are a lot of bots on there, like at an all-time high on X, as we'll say. But, you know, generally there's always going to be bots on different platforms. Like it's just you deal with them, you get rid of them, whatever. Twitter seems like it's become so hard to even like deal with them, report them. Sometimes you're reporting them and they're not being dealt with. They're showing up on every random post. It feels like it's to the point that you can't even accurately assess your numbers and know what you're buying, right? How many are going to real people? How many of them are actually creating engagement? Your APIs are broken. I mean, for those of you who don't know, the way we have our, our show set up, once it's done and I load it, it automatically went to certain places, one of those also being Twitter. So our Twitter page populated with it so you could see it. It reminds people you can go listen to it. That was broken for like three, four weeks, and I didn't even realize it until I kind of went back through, and I'm like, hey, there's nothing about the latest couple episodes. What's up? And I went back and realized it's been broken. You know, and this was like back, I don't know, beginning of the summer. So I don't whatever that is now, what, five months or so, six months already? Like, that it's just not been working. And so who knows whatever else is broken on the website? And then but, you add all the rampant anti-Semitism. <laughs> it's yeah, just you can understand why people would be distancing themselves. Not just that, but some of the ads on there, the other companies, like, you don't want your stuff showing up right before, right after some of that other stuff. No. Right? You don't want to be associated with that. Even though you're not, like, that's what people see and think. You know, so that's yeah, because I mean, if somebody's, you know, like you said, if your ad's right there, somebody might misconstrue. Hey, wait, because these ads are designed to if Twitter, Facebook, all do it where you're you're reading about, you know, heck, you know, last night's Laker game, and then all of a sudden it transitions to this. Hey, would you like to click on this thing for a second? You know, it's designed really. Oh, dude, I've literally seen some that have said outright, like, well, this these platforms don't let us advertise anymore, and blah blah. Like, well, yeah, because you're you're one step away from being a nationalist or whatever. Like, yeah. like dog, I get it. Look at your your language and whatever in this video, but it's on Twitter, right? So that creates a different problem. Now, what does that mean for the future? Don't know. Like, are people just wholesale moving away from Twitter? No. Like, if you play Magic, you will still see stuff from Wizards and Ultra Pro and ultimate guard and all these other companies right they're still going to be there but how much effort are they putting into it how much spend are they putting into it i imagine from what i know from the few people i've spoken to this is probably a thing most companies have recognized so probably pretty significant amount is going to be moved away and going to other platforms 
And I can tell you that some directly have said they're just going to be spending more on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok, on YouTube, because those are at least real numbers and real people. They're at least regulated, even though some people may not like some of that on how they're moderated. At least there's something there to, to keep things in check and you can actually get more for your reach and your money. Not to mention also some of the vitriol that just comes with TikTok or with Twitter sometimes. <sighs> You just may not even want to have to deal with it for your social teams every once in a while. So it's just, yeah, right now it's a mess. And I don't know how you fix it because realistically, you would have to, well, first hire some people back because you're going to need a lot more work done. But do some things that he just doesn't want to do with the platform right now. He being Elon Musk. But starting with him just not posting on Twitter because it seems like every time he posts, it's something edgy that gets a bunch of people all up in arms. So that doesn't help. But, you know, you've got to, like we said, you got to fix the API stuff. You got to get rid of all the bots. You got to have better moderation. Vet the people who are coming to promote on your platform. Like, it, it's it's a train wreck right now, man. Yeah, and there's no way he's going to stop talking because that's a large reason that he bought yeah. the platform is because he, he wants, you know, he, he wants the megaphone and he wants nobody to be able to take the megaphone away from him. And I will tell you right now, I think for a lot of different subgroups on Twitter, it's going to come down to, where do the thought leaders in that group go, right? Even for magic, if a bunch of the bigger magic creators and whatever start using threads or blue sky or whatever, the rest of the community is going to follow them. Yeah. You know, if you're an artist and several of the artists decide they're going to be on whatever, you know, spoutable or whatever, well, artists are going to start going there, right? Because they want to network. They want to be around the people who like that thing and they can sell to them or whatever. Now, I don't think this means that Twitter's just going to go away overnight. I mean, every day, hell, MySpace is still around. So, you know, slow burn and all that. But <laughs> I just don't know. I don't know what it looks like two, three years from now without major changes. I mean, you're talking about the fact that he's driven a thing that he paid 40 plus billion for, already down to an estimated 4 billion or less. And it has to be mentioned that even before he bought it, they, Twitter was not profitable. No, I mean, they at he least was, had a, a better valuation. Yeah. But yeah. But in terms of, you know, how Twitter was going to get monetized, they hadn't figured it in their case, they, you know, best luck ever. Or, you know, random billionaire walks along, decides he'd like to buy a thing that hasn't been profitable because he's sure he can make it that way. Now, I'm sure even they knew that that probably wasn't going to happen. But hey, once you sold it to the billionaire, not your problem anymore. <laughs> Yeah, so that, that's a tough one, man. I just say, you know what? I'll still use it. Part of the community is still there. We'll still be around. But yeah, I'd expect you're going to see a lot of companies putting more effort into the other platforms. And honestly, you've already seen a little bit of it with TikTok. It feels like now every third video or something is an ad to sell you something on TikTok now. So, I mean, the money's moving for sure. And I don't, I don't know how we recover from that, but we'll see. Anyway, let's talk about some different topics in the news, because there is a lot. And the first one we want to start with is there is an artist that got caught for plagiarism. And this is the second time, I believe, in three years we've had this happen. I don't understand how people ever think they're going to get away with this, whether it's in writing or in art, especially something like magic, where millions of people see the pro final product. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, I believe the David artist's name was David Sondered 
or Sondered, depending on how you pronounce that. But he effectively did the art for, I believe it was Mishra's Bobble in one of the latest sets. Uh, I'm going to double check that while we're actually uh, talking. And if you're watching this on uh, YouTube, it'll be on the screen. But he decided he was going to take somebody else's artwork that had already done the background piece effectively and then put his artwork over it. Uh, Wayfarer's Bobble. That was the card. And ta-da, I'm going to submit this to Wizards. And all he really did with them is took out, there was like a person walking down some stairs. He kind of took out of the image and, you know, made the sky darker or whatever. But then he just put his art over their image, effectively. that That's the piece. And if you look at it up close anyway, it doesn't even, it, it looks like somebody has artwork over another piece, right? But that is a style some people do, where the the foreground is just, looks separated from the background or whatever, right? That's just a thing. But, to your point, like if you submit something to a game like Magic for Wizards of the Coast, you've got millions of eyes potentially that are going to see this artwork. And these eyes include, you know, obviously other artists, yeah, journalists, <laughs> because you know when when stuff goes bad, wrong, like let's say a bunch of Magic cards, because that stuff gets covered in every form of media. Mm-hmm. And that that's a tough thing. Uh, so. Obviously, people caught it, called it out, did some images showing like, hey, I'm pretty sure this is the exact same piece. And then his apology, and anybody who listens to the show regularly knows, like, I am already, like, the way I feel about apologies, they're going to get blown up anyway. But he for real did an apology that, like, this is not how you do apologies. He basically said, like, well, yeah, I do this all the time. Just I normally do it well enough that it looks like a new piece of art when I'm done. And I'm like, bruh, that's, no, that is not what you say here. <laughs> that's how you set fire to your career right there. Yeah, like, and I get it. Using other people's stuff for reference or whatever is a thing that happens. But you don't start with, like, their piece and end with their piece just missing a couple of things in it. No. You know, like, no. if you're like, oh, I like the way this person drew these stairs or whatever. Like, sure, use them as a reference. Maybe even scale them differently. You fit your piece, whatever. But literally, it's the whole building, stairs, trees. Everything's the same except for the color of the sky and, like, somebody on the steps. That's pretty much it. I mean, he didn't change anything. <laughs> like, dude. So, of course, Wizards, once they were notified, obviously made a statement and said, hey, we're discontinuing working with this person for the time being. You know, things got to get sure sorted out. I bet you the time being will eventually become permanent because there's too many artists that don't plagiarize. <laughs> I mean, it might. I mean, the dude had to shut down everything for his studio on socials. Yeah, especially since in his apology, he's like, hey, you know, I do this all the time. It's like, come on. Just... Yeah. So across the board, uh, shut down all of his socials. Now, he did say he was getting threats for his family and stuff, which, bruh, we got to stop doing that as it just people not even just gamers like nobody needs their families threatened over this this is not that type of situation like and problem being you know once you're a plagiarist it's like it does now people are sure they're going to believe you sure because <laughs> you've already shown yourself to not be trustworthy and but but i want to say like i don't care who you are what you've done whatever like if your family's not involved 
they should not be a point of discussion at all. Like we talked about it before, even in politics, when people are going after like Trump's kid or whatever, the the yeah. youngin, right? Like he ain't got nothing to do with nothing. Now, if you want to go after his adult kids who are getting involved in politics, cool, whatever. But like the family members that are not part of the situation, there's no reason to ever go after them. Like that, that's like you getting into a bar fight and then somebody just calling your house and threatening your wife or whatever, right? Like that's stupid. <laughs> like they obviously weren't there, have nothing to do with this. Well, so if I had a nickel for every time I've been in a bar fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So that aside, like, that's dumb. But I can't see how this person is going to get large contract work for a while. Like, this is tough. I think this is where you have to, you literally start from the bottom rebuilding your rep, you know? I mean, I, I, I would say he's done, but then there are so many times I've thought we were writing somebody's career up half, and then, no, oh, everything's fine. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's I, I don't think this is trying. the case where, where this person needs to be done. I don't think that, but... I, it, I, it just Speaking from an artist standpoint, I mean, I'm just going to... Because, again, you know, plagiarism is also a thing in print journalism. Sure. I just, I know for a fact that if I said, hey, let's say I got caught plagiarizing, and then as part of my apology, I said... Oh, by the way, I've done this a thousand times. I usually do a better. Yeah, I'd be done. I, nobody would hire me again. There's always somebody that you get to start with, whether it's somebody just looking to start up a website. Somebody well, I'll say, okay, nobody for a game, you know, whatever. I'll say nobody reputable. I would say, would, yeah, would but, and that's why you got to start from the bottom and rebuild. That's the only thing you can do if you choose to stay in that business. And it'd be hard for you to even make a full-time salary probably off of the places that would still employ somebody that did that. Sure, that's part of the social punishment. You know, like, you got to get back to that space. I don't think you'll ever get a big Wizards-type job again with regular. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I think Yeah, that's we, not going to happen. But you, you can at least get... I think you can get back, though, to where you're selling artwork at shows and, you know, that type of thing. I just don't think you're going to be able to get back to those big regular multi-thousand dollar gigs that are happening six, seven times a year that people are from the big companies are sourcing you out. Like there's always going to be somebody on, you know, different platforms that are starting up board games or whatever, and they need some artwork or whatever. Like you'll find work. It's just not going to be the big ticket work. I don't think not for a long time. And that sucks. But I mean, Usually, when you I feel see, like other other artists would probably boycott any company that work with them, I would believe. Uh, for a while, I think that's going to be true. I think that's going to be a situation for sure. But I guess it, it's something because I said we. I've been, you know, I, I thought people were done many times, and then like six months later, they have have not only not done, don't appear to have suffered any ill effects. I, I, the thing that gets me it's so crazy is just how similar the piece looks still. Like, and normally now if I'm you're curious. gonna try to plagiarize, like everybody tried it once or twice when you're going through grade school, right? Like, <laughs> I'm gonna rewrite this person's sentence or whatever, you know, like at least try to make it look like it's yours. You know what I mean? Like, this still looks like the other piece. That's the thing that's mind blowing. So I I don't know. I don't know, but punishment has been levied at this point. We'll we'll see where they go from here, but I would not expect to see their artwork on Magic cards for the foreseeable future, if ever. I mean, Wizards has a pile of artists lined up that want to do right? Magic and D&D &D art. 
they don't have to go back to you if you burn them. You know, yeah, because and certainly he he can't say his art was of such good quality that he can't be replaced. <laughs> That's certainly in the argument. Yeah, and I don't think people understand. There are a lot of people that would love to get steady work yeah. from Wizards of the Coast. So yeah, they they don't have to go back. Also, it was a, it was another magic artist too, right? I believe magic. one of them was another magic artist. Yeah, the yeah, it's just yeah. How he, I mean, I guess, as he said, he had been getting away with it for so long to where he just kind of got bold, as often happens with cheating, you know? Yeah, I suppose. I mean, he did say, you know, he's reaching out to the other artists to figure out how to make it right and all this stuff. So I don't think we'll ever hear that. will probably be a private conversation. But yeah, crazy. Uh, it's just, I mean, it's basically, uh, I'm assuming, involves some financial, like the overwhelming majority of the financial compensation that he got for that artwork would be, I guess, probably that, that, that'd be what I would want. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't fault somebody for asking for that. It'd be within reason. But yeah, uh, speaking of startup stuff, let's talk about that. We have Logitech. On Indiegogo, of all things. So those of you who don't know, there are platforms like Indiegogo or Kickstarter that are kind of where the community spends some money. They get an early version of whatever it is you're selling or making or supporting. You know, maybe if you're making a movie, they get free tickets, whatever. And it's a way for you to crowdsource the funding for your new item. Usually, this is for people like probably those of you listening or me and Brian, like if we had an idea we'd probably go to something like Kickstarter or Indiegogo to get it off the ground, right? We don't necessarily have the money for it. Maybe people, enough people are interested that they can help us fund this, and then we can turn it into a company, that sort of thing. And usually, and I'm going to say, like, I have a problem anyway. I th And this has been a thing for years. I was saying this, hell, probably 10 years ago. It's frustrating when established companies go onto these platforms and kind of take money away from other potential projects when they don't need the crowdfunding. Now, I will say, if you're making a brand new thing, like maybe it's a new piece of technology or some type of chipset or something that you don't even know if people enough people want it or whatever, all right, cool, you can put it out there and that makes sense. But we saw it for a long time with some of these established board game companies going, hey, we have a new board game we want to make. We're going to put it on Kickstarter or whatever. Like, you don't need the money. Like there's literally people scrapping, scraping by, you know, new designers and whatever. And they're just trying to get their name out there. Let them take a shot at it. So to see something like Logitech come on there, my first thought was, oh, okay, this must be something brand new, but it's a thing they're calling the Logitech reach, which uh, if for those of you just listening, it's basically a a camera stand. So it's a like a pole that attaches to your desk, and then it has an we'll just say an L shaped arm that sticks off of it, and the arm goes up and down, and then along the extended arm, the camera can slide left to right. So this is cool for a lot of reasons because regardless of the size of your space, you can now have a camera that zooms in and out, slides all across your desk, whatever you need to do demos or presentations or whatever, right? great idea but they're not really building anything new except for a sliding arm like the camera is still 
the camera. Like Logitech already makes cameras. There's nothing new going on with the camera. It's literally hell. And technically the post already exists because I have some on my desk right now holding things. So literally it's just the sliding arm that they're technically funding. Like I, <laughs> I, I don't know why it's a thing. Like now, because it, People are like, oh, it's Logitech, they're trustworthy, whatever. Like, it got funded in the first three or four hours. And they're saying they can't deliver them, I believe, until July next year. I'm going to double check that, but I think that's what it said. Which is also kind of crazy. That's meaning they've done nothing in the way of production or anything yet. They just have, you know, I guess, demo copies or whatever, so they can make videos and such. And that's it. So this is literally being all crowdfunded. I think, you know, I guess Kickstarter slash Indiegogo has just become, this is content for a different audience. Because of the, the thing that you have from Logitech or something like that that you don't have from a company you've never heard of before is you, you hopefully there's a, a much greater chance that this thing, let's say Logitech, Logitech better deliver a product or there's going to be, there's going to be consequences and repercussions. So yeah. some people, I think, just want to have that security of, hey, this thing I'm paying for is going to happen. Yeah, that's crazy, right? If they don't deliver after right now, they've already collected 400K on this project. Yeah. And it's got 22 days left. So it's realistically, if I were to guess, probably going to finish somewhere around over 600K in that amount of time. So I'm going to assume they're going to deliver. And yeah, I'm gonna so assume like the they have to. Yeah, and I'm going to assume the product's going to be good. It's a very useful item. I could see why people would want it. I could even find uses for one. So, like, I don't hate the product at all. I think it's a good idea, and Logitech's been trustworthy. They make great, a whole series of mice that people use. So, yeah, it's just weird. You know, that's all. When it popped up, it was kind of like, why Logitech over there? And I was thinking, my first thought was, again, I was expecting to see something cool and new that they were working on. I'm like, oh, it's literally just mostly the sliding mechanism on the pole arm. I mean, I, I see, you know, for, from a corporate standpoint, if other companies are, are allowing people, you know, to, to customers to pay for their stuff for the testing of it, what have you, if other companies are doing it, you almost have to, or you're at a disadvantage. And that's exactly it. I can't fault them for it. Yeah. I mean, if that's become the norm and other people are doing it and you're, fans of your products don't care that you're doing it then yeah take the free money and it absolutely has become the norm like you said you're seeing there's this point probably more or as many or more huge companies on these platforms as there are people that you that you aren't familiar with yeah and that's exactly it like this isn't a logitech only thing this is just the latest thing right so this isn't just oh logitech's so wrong for doing it like no they totally have the right to do it i just see other companies doing it too and just thinking man this is sad because that's not what these platforms were initially designed for but here we are i will say though if you're interested in the product go check it out it's actually i would say it's a little bit pricey just a hair but it does also come with their, a really good camera attached to it and everything else so you know if you need it cool product but uh let's talk about some other things that outrage some people this week And that's some secret layer stuff. Now, obviously, there's some people that are just always mad at secret layer. That's not what we're talking about. This particularly is part of the crossover stuff with Jurassic World. Uh, they put up five cards 
And they basically reskinned five magic dinosaurs as dinosaurs from Jurassic World. People were so angry, it seemed like. Now, admittedly, this is the dedicated magic groups and the, the you know, magic Twitter or whatever. They're just going to be mad about everything. But it was amazing to see the arguments people tried to make to be mad at skinning some made-up things over some other made-up things. But, yeah, people were mad at the dinosaurs they chose to represent the different magic dinosaurs on these cards. So, I and I didn't think they were terrible choices. There's, like, maybe one. They're like, yeah, you could have chose something better. But they're kind of mostly fine. If I had an issue, it's that one or two of them that are like green cards, obviously, look blue because of the way the artwork's done. Right? Like, that is more of a problem, just for identification purposes, if it's across the table. But, I don't know. Otherwise, it's like, we made up dinosaurs in Jurassic World. We made up dinosaurs in Magic. And, like, you just put the fake thing over the other fake thing? I, uh... I can only be so bothered. You know what I mean? Like people shared it with me. Like, what do you think about this? Cause I know you like playing this card or whatever. I'm like, I don't know. It's cool. Whatever. If you're fans of either one, great. You get a cool new card with looks like a neat Jurassic world related skin. Eh, this is what secret layers made for to re-envision stuff, to put weird things on there. I mean, hell we got one. It's basically a five card set of, uh, Oh, crap. What's his name? I don't know why I can't remember his name now. The dude in the fly. and uh, Oh, yeah. Dr. Ian Malcolm. Yeah. He got a five-card set. Like, so if you just want him on a card, <laughs> I mean, you get five cards with him on it. Like, weird choice, because one of them is, like, him kind of, like, buffed out and laid out or whatever. But Well, that that's an iconic pose from yeah, the movie, so I guess you had to have that. So, I'm like, if that's your jam... Cool, but like I'm not gonna be mad that it's on a magic card. Like we just chose a card to put them on it, right? That's fine. So yeah, I don't know. It, it just felt like people just needed something to be mad at their favorite games about today. You know, like it's one of those things I feel like fandom is tough because I often say fandom is the best and the worst thing to happen to so many properties on this yeah. planet, right? They're they're great because they show you appreciation for the thing that you made. They allow you to get rich off of making a very cool franchise. They There will be whole conventions based around your thing. But m what comes with that is the other side, that no matter what you say or do, it's wrong. Even though it's yours, it's wrong. <laughs> right? Like, I have literally seen people complain that a writer made a character a certain way or something in a book, and they were trying to say that's not right. And I'm like, they literally own it. They make the canon. <laughs> right? Like, I may not like it, but I can't sit here and say it's not right because it's not mine. Yeah, like the, one of the most recent examples when, you know, all of the the, the people, you you know, the the, 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 worst, the worst comic fans out there are blasting She-Hulk for how supposedly trash it was. And the person that wrote the storyline that the TV show is based on said it is the most accurate depiction of his comic books ever. Exactly. Yeah, but no, no, there's no yeah, but. The guy that wrote it <laughs> says it's the best. That's you can exactly shut up now. <laughs> that was, I remember that those discussions. Because even when I saw the TV show, I'm like, you know, this kind of does feel like the comic book. Exactly. You know, that, that was my actual thought. Like, her breaking the fourth wall and, yeah. you know, the weird relationships with the office. And, like, 
those are all things that were true to the comic series. So I was like, She Hulk is the, the character, you know, that I remember the cover where she's standing there, like, "Hey, if you don't read this book, I'm coming to your house and I'm burning all your X Men comics." Yeah. So then like, the next issue is like, "What did I tell you?" <laughs> when people were being mad, I'm like, "Have you just not read? The, like, get again. You don't have to like the TV series. You don't even have to like the comic book. But to say that it's wrong, I'm like, really though? <laughs> yeah, if you don't like it, you don't like it. But you can't say it's inaccurate when the guy that wrote wrote all the issues like, no, this is the best adaptation there has ever been. Yeah, it's such a weird logic to hold on to. Like even here, like." Sure. Could we maybe have chosen something that's a little bit closer? Eh, maybe. But I mean, you know, we made up an Indominus Rex. You know, all the magic dinosaurs are made up. I mean, like, so it's like, eh, sure. I mean, but again, if you're fans of either one, or if you're fans of both, maybe you have more invested in it or something and you were hoping for something different. Like that, I can understand. But to just be mad about it like i don't know what people expected me to feel about them i think they're fine and the cards they chose were kind of cool and they're playable so like thumbs up i guess that's what a secret layer is <laughs> i mean like it's but again fans feel how they're gonna feel and you know we've said this about all these universes beyond and secret layer stuff the whole time is that when somebody's either a super fan or doesn't care at all they're gonna have something negative to say about it Everybody else in the middle, we're kind of just going to go, eh, all right, it's cool, I guess. And we're just going to move on with our day, right? Because yep. we, we're we not crazy invested one way or the other. So is what it is. It'll be interesting to see, though, just how popular all the uh, Jurassic Park related thing, or I guess in this case, Jurassic World related things really will be. I think you can say Jurassic Park like it's a catch-all for just the entire franchise. <laughs> That's fair. I'm just trying to be professional. Use the, the license that they attach to it. But yeah, let's talk about uh, an interesting magic thing they're doing internally. So as it turns out, on November 30th, you're going to be able to play two-headed giant games with people on the magic community team. They're going to be available in the magic official discord, and then the games are going to be played on spell table, which is pretty cool. And I don't think people are aware that this is something they've done in the recent past, because I want to say I've seen them do... Uh, Commander games, and there was another one that I forgot what it was, but there was another like funky format thing they did. And I think they're using it as a way for one, just random folks that are fans to have a chance to engage with people at Wizards of the Coast, but also probably just to talk with people and ask some questions or whatever, you know, just to make sure that the things coming in internally match with what they think it's going to be and, you know, feeling out the community. But this is kind of a cool thing that I think more companies should probably do. You know, give your people internally a chance to engage with the communities that they're making stuff for. Because if nothing else, it, it can only make their job better, right? That they have more perspective and understand kind of what the impacts are and how people feel about things they're producing. I mean, I think there's a fair amount that probably know some of that, you know, probably still visit game stores or go out and play with people regularly, make trips to conventions. But for those that don't, this is like a company sponsored time to do it. And I think that's a good thing. It's it's basically researching your job just in a fun way. So I don't know, like, do you think this is something that other companies could benefit from? There, and I mean, and I, there are a few companies that I've seen do this. So they're, they're not completely on the top of my head. I can't think of, 
I, of course, can't think of a single one on top of my head right now. But yeah, I've seen seen projects like this before. And definitely, if you got it's really just your PR, basically, just good yeah. old fashioned letting letting the fans of the product know that you care about them and you appreciate you appreciate them supporting your product. Yeah, because I was sitting here thinking, like, I, I feel like there have been things where I'm at an event. Like at conventions, there's been like, hey, come meet the staff or they'll play in certain events throughout the weekend or whatever. But I don't know if I remember a time recently where like, I don't know, Riot developers got on and played League or or Teamfight Tactics with people for six hours or whatever during a day, you know. Now, I do know some of the developers for like Magic Arena do play with people because their names come up with like the mythic orange color and so you know it's a staffer. So they're still involved in and in the game. So that's a thing. But yeah, I don't know how often that's a thing. And I think for all levels, I don't even think it just should just be the community team or just the developers. I hell, I think C suite people should be involved on some level just to know, right? Even if it's just people being mad and they got to take shots from people directly, like at least understand how upset people are or whatever. You know, I, we've talked about it recently. I think it's done Twitter or uh, Twitch a lot of good because their new chief of staff, I guess, I don't know what his title is, director, like he's been making appearances at conventions, doing the rounds on people's podcasts, and it's helping him do his job better and it's changing the sentiment around the company because they can actually speak to people and go, Oh, well, yeah, that makes sense when he explains something or whatever. So yeah, I think this is going to be a positive. I hope to see more of this. Honestly, maybe this should, I don't know if it should be monthly, but maybe every other month just so more people get an opportunity. And I don't know how many people it's going to be or how many games they're going to be able to get in. It looks like it's two hours in the afternoon and two hours in the evening, probably to allow people from different time zones a shot yeah. to get in. But, I mean, even if it's 15 or 20 people, that's only a handful of games that can be going at one time. But it probably also brings other people together that, you know, maybe they're waiting in the lobby. They can start another game or something. But, yeah, it's a cool idea. I think it's something, like I said, more companies should probably do. And it feels like only positives are going to come from it. Like, I can't imagine, unless you just have awful internal employees, like, how it goes negative. But if you do, those people should probably be fired anyway. But yeah, this is cool. I, I want to see more of that from, from more companies, if possible. I mean, because it feels like it'd be fun to, I don't know, let's say you play Diablo or Baldur's Gate 3 or whatever and get invited to run with some of the developers or whatever so they can show you cool stuff you didn't even know you might have overlooked or whatever, right? That could be a really neat experience. And it's something I hadn't thought about till when I was reading. I saw this blurb get posted and I was reading about this and went, huh, you know, I can't remember a time I got to do that with people on other games like that would be kind of fun and it's weird because i don't feel like i need it as much with magic because a lot of magic employees are at least accessible in different ways but most of the games i play i know i don't even see anything posted from anybody outside of the official community manager and then like pr stuff so it would be kind of cool to interact with people there just to have an understanding of just internal logistics or feelings for certain things or whatever so yeah, this is a cool idea. But yeah, if you're looking for it, you can go to the Magic official Discord or you can do a search. I believe they have some stuff on Twitter. They're talking about it. Or just search up uh, Two-Headed Giant play on November 3rd or November 30th. Sorry, that'll actually help you find them as well. But that brings us to the dinner table. And 
this is going to be kind of a fun one. Sometimes we talk about serious stuff in the dinner table, but this time, the question's kind of simple. Since we talk a lot about gaming, how much gaming do you do with the family during the holidays? Because I don't know this answer for you, for sure. <laughs> yes, well, obviously, you know, this yeah. is a pretty, pretty big gamer house. So, yeah, yeah. We, we are gaming together pretty much all the time. So, yeah, definitely on holidays also. Get get out the Super Smash Bros. all the time. I, I take my whoopings. I'm not going to even lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was good at Smash Bros. till I had kids. Dude, I still remember when, I think it was the Wii, was the first time we could play Mario Kart online with, like, the world. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to get I'm going to kill some people at this game. Dude, it took me for real. I think like 20 races for me just to place, not yeah. even to win, like just to get into third place. And I was like, damn, I ain't crap at this game. <laughs> I mean, eventually I got better and I could win yeah. some every once in a while. But dude, for a good cup, first couple of months, I was just getting boat raced. I mean, Mario Kart is no joke. People really just. Almost any game that, that gets played online, there's going to be a meta. There's going to be characters oh, that are yeah. better than other characters, and you don't you don't know any of that stuff, you know. Unless again, you happen to have <laughs> happen to have people that go to gaming oh, tournaments dude. in your house. You I know? was watching other people, and you have to learn. Okay, everybody likes to take the turn this way, or they like to try to slide here so they can hit another like uh, item box or whatever. So like. I know if I'm right behind them, I could go inside and I could get a little bit of an edge here or whatever. Yeah. Or if there's three of us coming up to a turn, if I'm on the outside, I'm less likely to get bumped or whatever. Like, But people know that stuff, man. It's crazy. You know, our house, I would say, like, we're not what I would call a heavy gamer house. I mean, I am, but we do play a fair amount of games. And especially when we get people over, we actually play more board games, believe it or not. You know, we have a... And I think there's something about the... I don't know, the analog experience, if you want to call it that, when you just have different age groups and everything else, it's a lot easier to have something physical. And we yeah. do have games that you could play like five, six, seven people, eight people. So you can have more people engaged at one time, which is also kind of nice, which is good for me because sometimes it's like, man, the Cowboys game's on. So people don't have to move to another room or whatever to like play something on a TV. Because <laughs> if they want a TV, I'm going upstairs. I ain't going to be around people. I got to watch the game. You know, it's going to be a thing. And uh, Uno has been a thing. Yeah. For forever. Dude, card games, Uno, Spades. Spades. Yeah, yep. like those are for real things. Those are starts of fights. Right. But, but they're real. My, one of my aunts does a uh, Bidwist, and she's got a whole group. Dude, Bidwist is like, for people who don't know, Bidwist is like the old black people game. Right. Right, like there's a point where, and I'm in that age range, like when you go over 40, you got to start looking up the rules to Bidwist, because sooner or later, somebody ain't going to be around no more. Somebody's going to need a partner. <laughs> wow they, they're they're gonna come looking you know i'm just saying um, you're gonna get recruited sooner or later you gotta be ready to I, I'm, I'm turning down any <laughs> unless they're unless they're gonna start playing magic i ain't learning <laughs> but it's like that though i mean and i've seen other games you know every family seems to have a game or two that that's right. what their family plays you know whatever it is the, the great blackish episode about how you don't even understand who people in your family are so you play monopoly with them. <laughs> yeah. oh dude for real like there were people in my family you just didn't play some games with yeah like you knew they weren't good at certain games but they thought they were and then they're just going to be angry when they're losing 
So you just it's like, nah, they're like, oh, I want to play. I'm like, no, you can't play this Uno with us. We already are full. We got four people. Like you, <laughs> you, you, would find, you would find any excuse to not have that person play the game. With Uno you. is full. That's pretty <laughs> it's pretty rough with it. Everybody knows. Yeah. Game's full, dog. It's full. No, but and and I actually enjoy that time too because I think it's it's different than when you're getting like competitive gamer friends together. Right, because now everybody's trying to win. We got to play top strategy. Is it if you're telling people the Uno table is full? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, not, I'm talking about like now where I'm at in my life, right? Because I don't, okay. I don't, I don't have a lot necessarily. Because all of my family is still out of state, so we end up with just a lot of local friends up here that are just kind of social gamers or very like casual gamers. So you can have fun stuff. You can play the games that are less serious. You can try more silly strategies just to keep people in the game more. And it becomes more of just like a social hour more than trying to win the game, which is actually really cool. So games that I haven't played in a while, like I can bust those out, have a good time with them. I think right now, I think our plan, by the time people are listening to this, probably going to be playing some combination of Wingspan, uh, a dice game called Azul, which is very good. And what else would I probably have out at this time? Oh, uh, Camel Up, which is a really sweet board game where you're literally racing camels that stack up on top of each other. It's pretty hilarious. Okay. So, yeah, those would probably be the three that are going to get pulled out this time, you know, for this year. But, yeah, I mean, gaming, gaming though, is kind of a, a norm for us, you know. And, and it is cool when we're with the casual gamers and stuff because, like, you've already eaten, you're sitting around, you know, maybe people are having a drink or something to kind of end the day. And it's just cool to hang out. So yeah, do a fair amount of gaming around the holidays. All my, I think a lot of my video game time has been kind of personal time lately. I do still, well, sometimes me and the woman, we'll get on and we'll play some type of uh, like role-playing type game or something together. Because she's playing some Baldur's Gate, I'm playing some Baldur's Gate. So like, you know, we might hop on and do that. But generally it's board game time when we game as a group or as a family in our house, which is kind of interesting. I hadn't thought about that till right now. I think I do my video gaming by myself, but my board gaming uh, as a group. So there you go. Help me realize something by answering a question. <laughs> but all right, Brian, let's wrap things up and tell people where they can find you on the social media machines. All right. I am Brian Sonic on the Twitter. And if I'm still on Twitter <laughs> for I guess as long as, I guess until I look around and find myself alone in my various groups and you can find me just about everywhere at power dragon p-o-w-r-d-r-a-g-n and as a reminder hey go support our friends over at cool stuff inc any other creators that you follow go support the brands that support them because that allows them to support you but wherever you are listening or watching good morning good afternoon good evening and good night Please take care of yourselves and your family. Remember to be awesome, and most importantly, be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate. Other patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at colorofmtg. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 